I am so thankful that the Lord, <laughs> he's like a real estate investor. He buys dilapidated houses <laughs> in need of great repair, and he pays full price for them, and he fixes them up. And unlike house flippers, he's not fixing it up to sell it again. When he buys a dilapidated house, a fixer-upper, we're all fixer-uppers. When he buys a fixer-upper house, he's there to stay. You ever see the signs, um, the billboards? It's some company. It's like a house-flipping company. We buy ugly houses. You ever see that? I'm an ugly house. He, Yeshua buys, oh, I'm not talking physically. I know I'm very handsome. <laughs> I'm trying to parlay that into what Susie was saying about the nakedness and stuff, but I'm not going to go there. But Yeshua buys ugly houses because he sees a treasure in that house that the world doesn't see, that we don't even see ourselves. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. It's the greatest commandment. The second commandment is like that one you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's like the trinity of love. Love God. And when you're able to love God and you, and you have that manifestation, that revelation that, that you love him, you're able to love your neighbor. Because who is the one that's in your neighbor? It's God. So when we get the revelation that God is in your neighbor, we love our neighbor. And then the third, which sometimes is the most challenging, is the loving of ourselves. Because it says right now we see through a mirror dimly, but soon face to face. Face to face with who? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. The trinity of love right there. And it all starts with God, the real estate investor, Yeshua, the real estate investor, seeing the dilapidated, broken down, foreclosed on, left abandoned, dirty, walls punched in house. that even the bank can't get rid of. And him saying, I'm paying full price for that. I'm paying such a high price for that that the enemy can't outbid me. Yeshua pays such a high price for the house. Such a high price that the enemy can't outbid him. The enemy can't outbid him. 
You ever see the bidding wars on the Flipper House shows on HGTV? The highest bidder wins. Yeshua is the highest bidder. He will not be outbid. He pays the highest price for the house because he loves the house. It's the parable. It's the parable of the field. It's the same thing. The kingdom of God is a field with a treasure in it. And somebody sees the treasure and says, oh, I see that. So he buries the treasure so nobody else will see it but him. And then he sells everything, pays the highest price, sells everything he has, and purchases the field for the treasure within it. So did Yeshua with you. I mean, what does a field look like? I mean, just visualize what a field looks like. It's got rocks. It's got weeds. I mean, it's like a barren land. But he sees location, location, location. Because he sees the treasure in the field. Do you understand that? And he saw the treasure when he saw you. What is that treasure? It's the fullness of who you are. Because he doesn't look at things through the finite you know, realm of time that we look at things. As we look at things and we say, this is ugly. This is an ugly house. It's dilapidated. But he sees the fullness of it. He sees the end product of it, not the dilapidated house for sale as as if that's the final state of it. He sees you in your fullness. That's the treasure hidden in the field. So he purchases the field to bring forth the treasure that he knew was there but is hidden. Do you hear the parable? Do you understand You are the field, and the fullness of who you are in him is the treasure. And the one, the home improvement Messiah, the fixer-upper guy, will turn you into the best you ever. And that's why we allow him into our hearts. Come and make my heart your home. Come and be everything I am. So when he comes in, when he pays full price for the ugly house and outbids the enemy for you, you're his for him to do what he wants. That's the part that's left out of evangelism. And thank goodness for that. Because he's a homeowner. And what does a homeowner do? (laughs) Susie's been on me. We got to regrass our yard. I'm like, no, it's not worth the money. So great how you threw that in right there. That's true. Where was I? Yeah. He does plant grass. (laughs) 
When he bought you the ugly house with full price, stop. How's Bob doing? Is he okay? Okay. When he bought you with full price, he bought the right to do whatever he wants with you. And that's left out of evangelism. Because evangelism stops as having him come into your heart. They don't tell you what happens when the homeowner, the new homeowner comes into the home. He redecorates. He cleans up. Like who wouldn't, when you buy a home, the first thing you do is you clean up. You clean up the joint. You clean up the joint. And who as a homeowner wouldn't decorate it to his liking or her liking? I remember when Susie and I, we got our first home. And me being like a New York Jew. And her being a country bumpkin Gentile. She started bringing all this Gentile stuff into the house. She started to bring furnishings that like I went like, like this snotty New York stuck-up Jew that I was, like, she would start bringing in, she would start bringing in, like, all this, this, this country furnishings, like, um, the, the, the decor was more country, Do you know, the style, but I'm like a New York snotty Jew, that's, like, so Gentile, I don't want that, that's for the goys, that's for the goyim, I don't want that kind of style, I mean, what year was it? 19? I was like, this is 1997, not 1897. What are we, a pioneer family? So I started to put my own like, likings. Like, I want this kind of furnishing. But the owner of the house has better ideas. And all of a sudden, she does. And it's plant grass. But the owner of the house has better ideas. And in this little example, I learned, like, what a blessing it is to let her just decorate however she wants. Now I love country furnishing. Because I went through the process of giving up what I want, what I thought was, like, the right furnishings to have. That's what Yeshua does in his house. Oh, do we have to go to what what he does when he goes into the house? Oh, we know the Palm Sunday story, right? What happened when he goes into the house? When he goes into the house, he does a little redecorating. Some tables get overturned. That's what the lamb does when he enters the house. That's what the lamb does when he enters the house. You know, I didn't even know what Palm Sunday was until recently. There was a, a, I say this often, growing up in Jewish and accepting the Lord, Messiah, Yeshua, in a messianic congregation, I never went to church. So I get confused sometimes in church holidays. So then a few months ago, uh, Pamela, who's not here today, Pamela's pastor at uh, Evangel, some church in East Providence, or Riverside, said, will you come to my church and speak about Palm Sunday? And I said, great. What's that? And he said, you know, Holy Week. I said, Holy Week, great. What's Holy Week? 
And he had to tell me about it. Like, it's the week before, you know, the crucifixion or the week before Easter. And, like, my mind wasn't on it because, like, like I know that the crucifixion and the resurrection is all centered around Passover, and that was, like, still a month away. So today is what? Today is what day of the what? Today is the what day of the what? 14 of the what? Of the counting of the Omer. For people that don't know, like between Passover and Shavuot, there's a 50-day count up. Shavuot is Pentecost. That's the real Pentecost. That's what happened in Acts 2. Pentecost, 50, Pentecost 50, so it's the 50-day count-up, it's in Scripture, it's in Torah, we count up 50 days from Passover to Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and that was still a, a month away, so like my head wasn't even there, but, but the reality of it is, is Yeshua came in, and it's really interesting, I guess I'm redirecting here, that Yeshua comes in on the donkey, we know the story, right? And people are with the palms, you know, and there's Oceana, they sit, Hosanna, like I think I said at the Seder, that people think that's like a, like a hail to the king, Hosanna. It's not. It's Hosiana. I mean, save us. That's why they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's from the psalm that says, save us, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosiana. But anyway, so, so that whole thing happens. And he, he, he then that day he goes and he, and he tears up the temple. So it's really interesting. And that, at that that is in John 12. And uh, it says in the beginning of John 12, it says six days before Passover. Okay? Six days before Passover. Well, Passover is the 15th day of the first month. Okay? So six days before Passover is what? For anybody listening still. 15th day is Passover. The J- John 12 happened six days prior, it says. Six days before Passover. What day of the month was that? The ninth day of the month. <laughs> the ninth day of the month. I'll say it for you. The ninth day of the month. It then continues, and it and it talks about uh, the experience with the with the woman who washed, you know, his hair uh, with her hair, his feet. And then it says, on the next day, he went on the donkey and did the thing, and he redecorated the temple. So what day was that? If it was the next day, the tenth day of the first month. Exodus 12 says the 10th day of the first month, the lamb comes into the house of the father prior to Passover. It's the day that the lamb comes into the house according to the household of the father, it says. On that day, he went into the house of his father. So what happens when the lamb goes into the house of his father? You're the house of his father. He overturns some tables. He redecorates. Another thing that was happening at that time for Passover was all around Israel, leaven, which represents sin, is being cleansed from homes. Because by the time Passover comes, there should be no leaven in your house. So everybody is, is cleaning leaven. He goes into the house, his house, he cleans leaven. That's what he's doing. So it is when he comes into the house that when the lamb comes into the house, he cleans the leaven. And he redecorates. And again, that is left out of evangelism. Because you got some couches that you really, really like. That Yeshua says, I'm going to put it here. I'm going to move it out of the way. 
because there's a lot of leaven that's been accumulating behind it. So I need to reveal that. And I'm going to clean it. And in some cases, he'll just quit the couch over here. And some days he'll say, this couch is an heirloom from your family. And it's got to go. Left out of evangelism. Smart to do that. But it's good. Because that's what the homeowner does. Because he bought the right to do it when he bought the ugly house. Do you understand? Why does he redecorate? The king came into his house on that day, but he's not just a king. He is a priest. And the priest oversees the tabernacle, the Mishkan system. And the Mishkan must be decorated to the liking of the priest. The table must be in the right place. The lamp must be in the right place. You know, it is not a coincidence that the elements of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, are things that you find in a home. A table, a lamp, curtains. Where the sacrifices are, it's like a stove. It's not a coincidence that it resembles a home. But it must be set up perfectly for the high priest to function It must be set up perfectly for the high priest to function. That's why when in the first setup, Moses had to go and say, yep, he looked at everything. If you read the story, when it was first set up for the first time, Moses had to inspect everything to make sure it was done according to the pattern shown him on the mountain from God. That's what happens when Yeshua buys the ugly house and comes into you, he makes sure that every furnishing is, 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 is exactly where he needs it. The high priest needs it. According to the pattern shown from heaven. That's the treasure in the field. That's you at your fullness that he's bringing you to. And how encouraging is that? There is a There is a vision of you from the mountain. So if there are things in your life that are getting shifted and moved and discarded and new things are coming in and things, furnishings, whatever it is that's been in your life for generations are all of a sudden getting torn up, You know, every week we, we read a Torah portion because in Judaism there's a portion per week. Does everybody know there's also a reading from the prophets every week? It's called the Haftorah portion. It's a reading from the prophets. It relates to the Torah portion of the week. You know what the Haftorah portion of that week is when Yeshua came in? You are robbing me, Malachi 3. It also says in that chapter, behold, the messenger of the covenant is coming in. The king, behold, the king is coming to the temple. The messenger whom you seek is coming to the temple. And it also speaks about how we rob God with tithing. And that day, when that was being read, he said, you're calling my house a den of robbers. So if things are getting 
torn up in your life. He bought the right to do it when he bought you at such a high price. We blame the enemy for all these things. <laughs> you know, God gives gifts. All good gifts come from above. All good gifts come from above. But God gives gifts not based on what we want in a moment. He gives according to our need based on he sees it, not based on our wants at the moment. This is why prayers so often don't get answered. Because we say, Lord, I want this. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh. I want to have a more modern house like a New York Jew. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Because he sees beyond your current want. He gives according to what you need according to him. And it's beautiful. You know, people think like, you know, knock and keep knocking. You're going to get what you ask for. You ask for bread. Is he going to give you a snake? You know, the Revel, that's what it says in Scripture. You know, if the son asks for bread, is the father going to give a snake? You know, the reality is when you keep knocking, you keep knocking over time, you realize, you know, I didn't need that bread after all. Because I am fed not from bread, but from the word of the Lord that comes from the mouth of God. And that's how he fulfills that. It's not based on what we need at the moment. Thank God he does not answer prayer based on what we need at the moment. Thank God he doesn't answer our prayers and give us based on what we want at the moment. Why doesn't he give us what we want Because he's bringing us to a place where we say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Where are those green pastures? He says, yea, though I walk through where? So where are those green pastures? In the valley of the shadow of death. It didn't say, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and now I'm in the green pasture. The green pasture is in the valley of the shadow of death. That's where we say, he is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. This is why when people said to Yeshua, how do we pray? He didn't say, pray for your husband. Pray for your health. Pray for the nation. Pray that Donald Trump gets in or doesn't get in. He doesn't say, give details. How do we pray? Pray for Israel. These are all good things. Pray for these things. But when Yeshua was asked, how do we pray? He said, God's will be done. Done. That's two dones. God's will be done. Done. God's will be done. Done. Otherwise, we're praying for things that we want that may not be what he wants because he sees greater than what we see. Because he sees future, we see finite. We see the ugly house, he sees the mansion. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Lord. In this time, we are counting up to Shavuot, Pentecost. It started with one little bit of unleavened bread, 
at, at Passover, it ends 50 days later with two loaves of bread, and the two shall be one. The fullness of who you are, you're catching up to it. Let, let him redecorate. Let him move the furnishings. Let him throw out what he needs to throw out. Let him replace what he needs to replace. He is crafting you according to the pattern shown on the mountain. And it's beautiful. He buys ugly houses. But he makes them beautiful. Today is the 14th day of the counting of the Omer. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu al sifirat ha'omer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who makes us holy through your commandments and commands us to count the omer. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hallelujah.